Hello and welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we are so glad that you have joined us today as we are deep into Lent. Yes. And we are going to discuss today something that is very characteristic of the Lenten period, the Lenten season, and that is the Stations of the Cross. Yes. Today we're going to uh, unpack, or actually Megan, who recently has done a talk on it, I'm assuming we, you, you gave a talk, is that right? I gave, I've given a couple of talks on, on the, the Stations, Stations of the Cross, Cross. and so it's, it's yeah. something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit deeper and I'm really looking forward to it because as a convert, this is um, the Stations of Cross have kind of, uh, I don't know that I sh- would say that I don't understand it. I do understand it, but I've not ever really prayed it well, Megan. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to learning from you today more about like diving in and and using this as a personal form of prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say as a convert, you haven't really like embraced it fully. And the, the reality is that as a convert, it for me became huge very quickly. And so um, it and I'll just maybe I'll just give a little bit of my testimony, I will say, because I, I think it is a testimony yes. to the power of um, the passion in my life. Uh, it has been so central to my spiritual life. Uh, so when I um, first well, you know what, let me go way back. Will you permit me a, a kind of a, a longer reflection on uh, on this? Because it's just been so much a big part of uh, my life. And I think, please, please, th- you know, something that just the Lord ordered me towards. So growing up, I was an evangelical Christian. And um, so we didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, reminders of Christ's passion that were visible to me growing up, because as most of you know, who are listening, uh, Protestants don't really have crucifixes uh, in in their homes. And generally the reason for that, uh, the difference there is that, you know, Protestants are very focused on Christ is resurrected. So we don't, you know, want to focus on him being dead on a cross. Uh, So I didn't really grow up around crucifixes. But what I did experience when I was about eight years old is that my um, the church that we went to put on a very elaborate passion play. Mm. Uh, it had like original music, elaborate costumes, and um, my dad played Jesus. What? Yeah. So he was Jesus in this play, and like wow. I said, it was very. No wonder um, you have this passion. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but I'm bump, bump. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was really very um, just. I saw it like in a way that most people would not have, Um, you know, many people have seen live stations before, you know, acted out, but a lot of times they tend to be, you know, on a sort of more um, modest scale. This was like a really serious theater production. And, uh, you know, so to see my father playing Christ, like stripped of his garments, whipped with leather whips, and it looked like he was being nailed into a cross and everything was very, wow. very dramatic to me and it really impacted me. And I was not at all like scared of it. I I was in awe of mm. how much people responded to it. Like the, you know, drawn in. Yeah. There would be, mm. you would hear people sobbing in the audience at the end, you know, they would have an altar call and ask people if they wanted to commit their lives to Jesus. And I'm telling you like dozens of people would come up and, and pray to commit their lives to Jesus after seeing this. 
And so, you know, my in my youth, I really, you know, became exposed to the power of the passion and how much it can move hearts. Yes. Um, so, you know, 30 years later, after Christ calls me to be part of the Catholic Church, um, when I was going into my first Lent. So I wasn't actually, I, ha- I hadn't gone through the Easter Vigil yet. So, but it was the Lent before the Easter Vigil where I was going to c- come into the church. So I um, really wanted to like do all the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to you know just dive right in hundred percent. And so, you know, I learned that uh, it is traditional to pray the Stations of the Cross uh, and every Friday. And so I wanted to do that, but, um, because of circumstances at home and things, uh, it didn't really work out for me to go do it at the church with everybody else. So I determined that I was still going to do it on Fridays. But what I did is I ended up going and doing it alone in an adoration chapel. So my first experience of the stations of the cross wasn't being with a whole group of people in in a formal setting where they were reading somebody else's prayers. Mm -hmm. My first experience of the stations was walking from station to station alone with Christ in the monstrance, looking on praying and just allowing the Holy spirit to speak to my heart. Mm. And those prayer times were so, so deep and profound to me. I really came to appreciate that the passion of Jesus Christ is not just something that happened 2000 years ago. It is something that is continuing to happen in the lives of his people that basically what happened to him is what happens to us. Our sins were imposed upon him. And so in his passion, what you see is both your own sins that you have perpetrated and the sins that have been perpetrated against you. And that in every station there is, yes, that sin, but there's also virtue because Jesus Christ is in every station. So that means that there's virtue being displayed too. And so there's so much you can learn about who you are in addition to who Christ is in this meditation. You know, there's just one thing I want to add on that that was very profound to me on a Good Friday one year is the Lord really just spoke in my spirit to say, I did this for you. This is very personal. I'm outside of space and time, and I am doing this for you right now. And it became profoundly personal for me. Mm -hmm. And I really challenge our listeners to listen to that still small voice when you see Jesus on the cross and says, I love you. This is for you today. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So after that first Lent, um, like the idea that, okay, everybody like wraps it up, puts it back on in the box up on the, the Lent shelf, <laughs> and, you know, and they're not going to get it back out right, until, right. you know, next year. Like that was unthinkable to me mm. because my experience of that prayer had been so deep and so just drawn me into the Lord so closely that I just couldn't imagine putting it away. So I didn't, you know, from that point, I continued to stay, pray the stations, you know, every Friday. And then as I moved on in life, actually, um, I, you know, a few years later for Lent decided to pray it every day except for Sunday. And then um, God led me to uh, be introduced to a religious order, the Passionists. And uh, so 
and then revealed to me that 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 really was a calling to him to the charism of the passion and so um as a lay passionist uh what i'm really ordered towards is so when they when the passionists the religious take their vows they do the normal you know the usual three vows of poverty chastity and obedience but they take a fourth vow and the fourth vow of the passionists is to keep alive the memory of the passion of jesus christ and so as you know, having been felt called to be um, connected to that order as a layperson, I take that vow within myself as something that God calls me to in my life, um, spiritually in my own prayer life, to constantly be keeping alive the memory of Christ's passion, but also to promote the idea of people really taking this idea of Christ passion being present to us now, like you were saying, not just something that happened in history, bringing it into their lives now uh, and the power that exists in that. Um, it, it, I try to really promote that anytime I get the opportunity. So that's kind of what I'm about today is, is to try to promote that. And I think I don't want you to just take my words for it as far as how much power there is in contemplating the passion, because there are many, many saints, uh, much holier people than me who have spoken of the power. So I'm going to give you just a couple little quotes from two saints about uh, the the power of the passion. So the first one I'm going to give you is the actually the uh, founder of the order, the passionist, uh, St. Paul of the Cross. So he says, here learn the science of the saints. All is to be found in the passion of Jesus. Make every effort to remain hidden in the wounds of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and you will be enriched with every good and every true light, enabling you to fly to the perfection that is consonant with your way of life. Wow. So and then in the wounds. Mm. Oh, yes. And so and then St. Alphonse de Liguori. So he wrote the most famous passions that the most famous stations that, you know, in the United States are the most commonly used every Friday during Lent to pray the stations, this saint. And what he says is there is no practice more profitable for the entire sanctification of the soul than the frequent meditation on the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So if you've got great saints who are saying the passion is it, this is the best way to draw close to the Lord and to become, you know, more intimately engaged with him. Why wouldn't we do this more regularly? You know? Wow. No, I had never heard that about the stations or just about the passion in general. I know that, you know, contemplating on the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary um, really did it for me, too. So that's very kind of hand in hand on that one. As a matter of fact, when I I started uh, committing myself to saying the rosary, um, I started with the sorrowful because Mm -hmm. I said, this is what really speaks to me the loudest because it's that intimacy of his love for me is in that. Absolutely. Because that is in the end, I think what I would, if I were going to say the, the biggest transition that happened for me as it started when I first started contemplating Christ's passion through the stations and in the stations is a way to contemplate his passion. Right. And it, but it's a beautiful way. It's a way that has been developed through the history of the church. 
Um, and we'll talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history because I think that it is um, relevant. But what I found was that there was this transition that happened in me that went from, okay, I'm going to contemplate what happened to Christ and really try to get more deeply connected to that, to what he did for me, engaged in that. And then it went into, wow, you know, it's not just what he did on that day, but it's also what's happening in my life and, and he's present to it and he understands it. So then there was, there's that sort of sense where it started all about him and then it became me and him. But then it moved on to when I started to understand more clearly that uh, the Lord gives us sometimes the opportunity to draw closer to him by give, allowing our suffering. Yes. And that in our suffering, we have this great opportunity to grow in intimacy with him. Then it became it's about him and me where I am accepting and um, even appreciating sufferings that may come into my life because they present this beautiful opportunity to grow in intimacy with him. It's also been called Consoling His Heart. Yes, which I love. Yes. That, that's a beautiful book, um, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. Jesus. It's a 33 day consecration to this, like, is it Gately as Jesus? well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that book is beautiful. I cannot recommend that enough. So I have found that it's just, there's so much richness, so much fruit that comes from these meditations of frequent meditations. But one of the things that, um, having come to this, you know, really rather organically, you know, I think very much a Holy spirit inspired action in my life. I will admit there's this sadness that I have that so few Catholics really embrace the stations of the cross as a, a regular part of their own personal prayer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it really does stay in that Lenten box, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'll go to the church on Friday during Lent and say the stations and yeah, I might get a super awesome K of, you know, Knights of Columbus yeah. fish fry after that. Well, right? you know, I kind of have a question for you on that. Just, you know, given that both of us came from these um, Protestant backgrounds, um, back to Martin Luther, Mm -hmm. and why he took Jesus off the cross and why the suffering was left out of so much of the Protestantism. Do you, do you know why that was? Because there's that beauty that we see in all that suffering, but why, why was it seen as something different than that? Well, I mean, I think you can even kind of understand where somebody could come from. If they, you know, say you read, you know, what St. Paul says, and if Christ has not risen, then our faith is in vain. Right. So this idea that if we're not focused on the resurrection aspect of things, that somehow we're having this, you know, dysfunctional preoccupation with suffering and, and, you know, yeah. and so often like, and, and I, honestly, I will say that this is perhaps in my heart, one of the things that can be a negative about kind of like the Alphonse de Liguori way of looking at the stations is it very, it does very quickly move from what's happening to Christ to your own sinfulness and how awful you are and how this is all happening because I'm bad and, and everything. So, which is true, but 
if you focus too much on that, then you can lose, you can get down a path that can be ugly, that the enemy can actually get into. If that's where, if you lose sight of Jesus Mm -hmm. and you turn onto yourself too much. And I think the reality is that Martin Luther had some serious issues of guilt and, um, It's even been said that he had some actual significant psychological issues Mm. that would predispose him to this scrupulosity and... um, Yes, that's quite apparent when you see any movie about it. And Mm. so you can see if you're somebody who has almost a pathological problem with scrupulosity, this could be a real problem for you to focus on the the suffering that Christ endured for his people. So why not better to just focus on his resurrection? But. The Catholic faith is a faith of both and Mm. it means you don't have to throw out one in order to embrace another, another, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a time to focus on Christ's passion. But what I find is, is that as you make that movement where, yes, you can be like horrified by what he endured and the suffering and the ugliness of it and want to turn away from it. The more you keep with it, the more you keep looking at it, the more you stop seeing the sin and start seeing the beauty of the love to the point that now when I look at a crucifix, all I see is beauty. Yes. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And that is what God does. He takes the ugliness Mm -hmm. of sin and he transforms it into beauty. Amen. Amen. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I really see that um, in my own personal life. I'm thinking about my personal journey, and that may be why I was a little bit reticent in the beginning. Um, I was one of the, I definitely, because of personal sin, I took everything very, I've always taken sin so personally, and I was hurt very easily. So to contemplate um, my sin as having put Jesus through that was probably at the time really more than I could bear. So I'm glad we're really doing this today because it's hopefully in some other people's hearts to take and revisit the stations mm-hmm. of the cross. That That's our goal for today that it perhaps if, if it's become stale for you or perhaps you've never really embraced or prayed it in such a way that's pleasing to God, that today's show and episode will just inspire you to look at the stations and that passion in a little different way. Yes. And I, one of the things I kind of like to do when I talk about the stations is just give a little bit of an overview of how it came to be what it is in the church. Because what I find is that um, when things become sort of this institutionalized part of the, the church life, church prayer, um, sometimes people have a hard time thinking of it in any other way. But if you learn a little bit about how it came to be what it is, you can kind of understand that it wasn't just some like, you know, written on stone tablet situation that came down from heaven just as it is and underwent a process of development, which just goes to show you that there is the opportunity and openness to look at it and pray it in different ways. Which is interesting to me because until we started this episode and talked about it right before off air, I had no idea there was more than one way or type of reflection that went with the stations. You said the most common was uh, Liguori, uh-huh. but that Fulton Sheen's another excellent one. And what was another you uh, mentioned? St. John Henry Newman. Yeah. Really good one. See, I never knew that till today. So thank you, Jesus, that I'm learning something. <laughs> so just on, on the history, like as far as the stations go, they st- Well, if you want to take a look at it from the standpoint of 
what has been revealed to us mystically. Mm. uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. I'm not love her. Yeah. So for those of you who might not be familiar with her, she is a amazing mystic from um, lived at the end of the 1700s, early 1800s. I happen to have this particular attachment to her because she was born on the exact same day as me, exactly 200 years before me. Really? Yeah, her That's birthday cool. is September 8th, 1774. Wow. So you can do the math and figure out system. how old I am. Yeah. But <laughs> So I just, when I learned that, I was like, that is just amazing. There's just something about that that was so amazing to me that uh, to the day, 200 years. But anyway, she is probably more famous for her uh, mystical inspirations on the sufferings of Jesus Christ. There is a book called The Dolorous Passion of Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is what Mel Gibson used to base his his uh, movie, right. The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. But she okay. also had a lot of uh, mystical experiences of the life of Mary. And yes. in her um, writings on that, she writes that Mary every day would walk the stations of the cross. She erected in Ephesus, like up a hill, the stations, and she would walk them every day and with tears, remember the suffering of her son. Wow. And when I I read that, that. Yeah. yeah, I just thought, you know what? Mary knew better than anybody else that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead that he had conquered sin and death, that the victory had been won. What was she doing? Why did she she, want to relive that? Why did she want to relive it? And what, what is actually written by Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich is that she did it for love of him. Mm. And the reality is, is that to enter into Christ's passion with him is a way to feel intimate with him because who is Jesus Christ? He is the suffering servant. So, to know him intimately is to enter into that with him. Mm-hmm. The wounded healer. Exactly. So, you know, there's been this motivation in the church since the beginning to have remembrance of his passion, particularly in the Holy Land, but it never really became something that was done publicly at all until Emperor Constantine because it was illegal to be Christian. So you couldn't be out in the streets of Jerusalem like Relive, re, you know, remembering this because if it looked like you were doing something Christian, you could be arrested and killed. Mm. But after that point, um, you know, it started that people would start doing pilgrimage, pilgrimages to Jerusalem to do the the remembrance and walk the way of the cross, and um, then uh, as that kind of began to be built up, and they would start actually marking the places along the way, uh, you know, more and more people would come. And then there was a major milestone in the whole development of it when the Franciscans were given custody of the Holy Land. So that happened in 1342. And that's the first time that indulgences were attached to praying the Stations of the Cross. Okay. But they were only given to Franciscans, not to everybody. Oh. So, you know, it was kind of their thing. And and the stations differed. They, they, they were, There was, a, you know, anywhere up to like 32 stations. Really? Yeah, there were, there were so many of them. And, and, mm. and so everybody had sort of a different way of doing it, different places. Uh, the actual term Stations of the Cross is credited to an English pilgrim um, that came to Jerusalem in the mid 1400s his name was william way and he was the first person to use the term (laughs) stations of the cross Mm -hmm. so then as time went on uh 
There, in the uh, late 1500s, there was a, a person named Andrachomius who wrote a book about the stations. And he, in his book, 12 of the stations matched ours. So there were 12 stations and all 12 of them are, are ma- match ours. And okay. that book was actually promulgated a lot through Europe and everything. And so they think that it is his 12 stations plus, I'm not sure, I don't remember which two weren't on there, but um, it's his 12 stations that kind of set the stage for what we accept now as the 14 stations. Okay. Because it got so much uh, readership. And so that was about what That was at the end of the 1500s. Okay. So once the 1600s and 1700s get going, that's when the church really starts getting involved and popes start promulgating it and uh, Franciscans are allowed to start erecting stations and churches outside the Holy Land. And then uh, once it gets to, and then they start giving it indulgence, indulgences to anybody doing the stations as long as it's out of validly erected one. And then the real opening up of it happened in um, 1862, where it was now allowed for any church to erect them. They didn't have to have the Franciscans involved. And as long as the bishop gave approval, you could do it to the point where now basically in every Catholic church, there is a stations of the cross. Fascinating. It's, it's pretty much That's like pretty cool. standard. So this is how it kind of went on. But I think it was really that moment when indulgences started to be attached more broadly that it started to go in within the church instead of being more just a uh, personal piety kind of prayer mm-hmm. because when you start have to f- in order to receive the indulgences you have to fulfill certain obligations right it has to be in a church it has you have to go from station to station unless you're doing it corporately with clergy and only the clergy have to move that's actually the requirement but if you're doing it independently and you want to receive the indulgence you have to move from station to station actually physically um but so Adding the, those things, it's a great blessing that the church gives, right? To give sure. us, there's, there is, it's not a partial indulgence. It's a plenary indulgence wow. when done, you know, properly. Um, so people just kind of then put it in that box. And then the church has decided, okay, we're going to do this. In that box being in, in a in, the corporate way, A corporate prayer inside the group, church, right. group, you know. Not personal. Right. And then the church decided, okay, we're going to do this during Lent. Right. As a preparation, you know, tour for Holy Week and everything. So it kind of, I think, went out of people's consciousness as something, you know what? I could do this on my own. I could pray these stations and I could use my own words and I could just allow the Holy Spirit to guide me. But I didn't realize when I first started it that it was such a corp, like the corporate thing was so big an aspect of it. I, you know, for me, it was just, really? let me just get into it. This let me is just early in your conversion. Yeah, you didn't really. Literally before I even came into the church, okay. it was like that, la- that Lent right before my um, Easter vigil that I came in. So all that to be said, there are so many ways that you can pray the stations mm. of the cross that are not just reading somebody else's words. We are blessed to have many great saints in our church that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit in beautiful, deep, and profound ways that will probably go beyond anything that we ever would imagine. But when you read the different stations that different saints have written, you see there's big differences between them, even in, in on the same station, because the Holy Spirit speaks differently to each of our hearts. Right. And he wants to speak specifically to us okay. individually. I got a question for you now. How does Megan... 
pray the Stations of the Cross? What is the practical? You know me, I'm practical. Mm, right. I want well, the I'm going to give you bolts. some practical. Right. Now, I have developed over time because, okay. because... This is someone who I've not done this. I mean, I've only yeah. seen it done in a corporate way, not in a personal way. And I'm looking forward to trying rediscovering them after mm-hmm. this episode. So how should I go about that? Yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting thing because when you do like pray them all the time, like the way I'm so commonly engaged in praying them as part of my personal spiritual life, like you start to get creative, right? And so over time, I have developed a number of uh, sort of paradigms, I'll say, for praying the stations. So I figured I could share them with you today. So one of them, I I even have little titles for them. (laughs) One of them I call Entering the Passion Play. Okay. Which is, you know, kind of dear to my heart because, you know, the passion play was so much, you know, a big thing in my childhood. Um, But the way what I do when I do that is I pick one character, quote unquote character, and I try to see the passion, the stations of the cross only through that person's eyes. Okay. So, you know, and they could be the obvious ones. I mean, Jesus would be, of course, the most obvious one. Mary, John, Mary Magdalene. You could do Simon the Cyrene. You know, Veronica, but or one of of the soldiers, one of the soldiers, you could do just a random person in the crowd. Mm -hmm. One, I did it once where I did it from the point of view of God, the father. I did it once where I even looked at what it would look like from the demon. So I want to take just a side note and say, or sidebar here to say that this is imaginative prayer. Imaginative in, prayer. Yes. Yeah, so that's definitely uh, something that if you've never really experienced that or have been exposed to that is really beautiful. And what that is, is you're actually putting yourself in, uh, like for me, when I first started, it was in the mystery of the rosary of being present at that mystery. But like Megan's saying, she becomes just a person that was there at the passion, mm-hmm. or it could just be yourself. It could just yeah, be could you be outside of space right. and time watching through your own eyes. But I do think there's this like beautiful thing of trying to even just limit your view to say only what they would have seen, only what they would the have heard, what they've smelled, mm-hmm. like just because it helps you get into it in a way that sort of filters and focuses. And what yes. I have found that when you do that, you go on like this journey and that there's a there's a conversion that can happen through through the period of time, you know, where, you know, where you started. You're not the same when you ended that that. And it's, it's really kind of neat and mystical sometimes. Like there's just some really beautiful insights that have come through okay, doing well, it that way. You know, you have to give us an example of one of your favorite memories of one of your insights that you, you came across. Okay. One left. of my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah, please. Is one time I was doing it through the point of view of the angels. Oh, of an angel. Okay. And when I came to the point where Jesus falls... I had this image of angels prostrating themselves to the ground so that they could try to get lower than their Lord. And this image of heavenly Mm. beings just pressing themselves to the ground to try to honor the Lord. It just, it was so beautiful to me. Like, you know, the way people, you know, bow before a king. It's like they didn't want to be low. It used to be like your head was not supposed to be higher than the head of a king. Uh And to to the idea that angels would do that because no matter what it looks like, 
Christ is still king, even during the Passion, even when it looks like he Mm -hmm. is the least of men, that he is a worm, that he is no man. He is still the king. And those powerful spiritual beings are going to do whatever they can do to show their reverence for him. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) No, I'm glad you shared it. You can hear the passion come across in your voice. I love it. So that's one way. And then you can use it as an examination of conscience. What? Obviously there's sin being in every station. There are sins that are on display. So you can go to one station and say, okay, what state, what sin comes to mind that's being displayed in this station? And then you ask yourself, am I guilty of this sin? Yes. How am I struggling with this sin. So say, for example, the first station, that one's easy. Judgment. Mm. How am I falling into the sin of judgment? Mm. And then you can also flip it and ask, you know, because you know how I said it's all, it's not just your own sins, but the sins that have been inflicted upon you. You can ask yourself, who am I being called to forgive for this sin against me? Yes. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. And you just go station to station. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about it. Another way is virtue. Just like I said, Jesus is in every station. So there's virtue being displayed in every station. And you can ask yourself, all right, what virtue is being displayed here? You know, some of those ones like the fall, when he's fallen, he's on the ground, he's going to get back up. Wow, such perseverance. And then you ask, how am I living out perseverance in my life? Am I getting back up when things get hard or am I making excuses and staying down in the, you know, these areas, you know, so, you know, where's the virtue? Who's exhibiting them? How am I living them? Right. Another way is um, what I call intercessory stations. So, you know, we're called to pray for others, right? And, And the suffering that we see in the stations can often call to mind suffering that someone that we know and love might be experiencing. The perfect example for that for me is um, like the forestation when Jesus meets Mary. Oh goodness. The sorrowful mother, the heart of a sorrowful mother who is watching her son suffer. How many people do we know, you know, who may have a child who's suffering from something, right? And they're just, so heartbroken for what's happening in, in their child's life and they don't know where to go with that and everything. You can take them into your prayer and pray in unity with Christ mm-hmm. and Mary yes, yes. for that person. There is power in the passion. Right. I love it when you said that about it, uh, Megan, the unity, because as I'm just like in my mind's eye picturing Jesus uh, carrying his cross and us all being unified in his suffering, because you know what? He did that for each one of us outside of space and time. So there is a unity in his suffering too, which is really quite beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And it, there's just so much. So the, it's a very rich one. We could have it. done two on this one. Yeah. I mean, this is so good. <laughs> but um, I have a couple more. Okay. And so one, the next one is kind of similar it's called, I call it reparation stations. Ah, reparation. So oh, t- there's intercessory prayer that, where you're right. praying for somebody else for, the, you know, their good and, and you know, their healing or, or whatever. But reparation stations is when you recognize the sin that's happening in the world, the, the things that offend God, and you pray 
in sorrow for those sins that may not be your own at all, but you recognize these things that exist in the world are painful to the heart of my Lord, and I want to console his heart, so I'm going to pray in reparation Absolutely. For them. We should be doing that even more so. I mean, the Absolutely. most obvious one being the scourge of abortion in our world, not oh, just the United sure. States, but throughout yeah. the globe. Yeah, and another one. our Lord so right. greatly. Absolutely. But another one that comes to mind is like at the 10th station, when Jesus is stripped of his garments, mm-hmm. all those sexual sins... Within oh, the church, right? Within the church, especially. Yeah. Oh, you know, pray in, in general, reparation yes, for those amen. terrible, terrible affronts against God and his people. Mm. And then uh, another one I call, um, well, I guess maybe we'll, this be, we'll end on this one. Uh, stations in a word. And this one's really good when you're, if you're praying kind of in a small group, but there's more than one person, you're not alone. And maybe somebody's really not very comfortable kind of with that, like sort of, you know, extemporaneous prayer. So you can just go from station to station and each person say one word that comes to mind from this station. And then you just, you just silently allow that word to penetrate your heart and see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about that Mm -hmm. just sit with it yeah and i think what i would say more than anything these are these are techniques to enter into it but they always need to be accompanied with some quiet silent listening listening to how the spirit wants to guide you to stop conjecturing stop you know the thinking stop the whatever you know and just be still with it and see where the Lord wants to take you. So important. It's so important. And it, it, where he takes you, I'm telling you, can be some of the most beautiful, deep places that you would never imagine that you would go in your prayer. But it's all beautiful. right there. Yes. It's all right there. Love so, it. you know, yeah. as we finish up, I just want to really just encourage people mm. Try it out. Try taking these mm. more personally into you. And you don't have to be at a church to do it. Right. You can do it right in the comfort of your own home. You can use religious imagery or not. Whatever helps you go into prayer. Right. But just really try to allow the Lord to make himself more present to you in his passion. He's going to teach you so much. But the biggest, biggest lesson that I think that passion teaches hearts is how much the Lord loves you. Amen. And we all need that in our lives. We need to know of his love. And this is the place that you will find it every single time. I guarantee. Amen. So, okay. This is the inspiration you've given me today because I was saying I haven't, I didn't know very much about stations, especially you've learned so much beauty today. So what I'm going to do, Megan, um, in Thanksgiving, for Jesus and his, his, his passion and, and learning today is I'm going to take one a day, one Beautiful. station a day, um, starting in the morning. Cause I, morning prayer is my best, um, time and really contemplate it throughout the day. And maybe I might even do it for a week, but no, I, I that is actually day. another one of my techniques. I call single station where you just uh, do one. Really I, that's do one. one. Yeah. Cause I think 14, that's overwhelming. You know, uh-huh. I'm a simple person. Um, I'm going to contemplate it till I've contemplated it through. <laughs> You're going to contemplate the heck out of yeah, it. That's right. Until I have nothing left, right? I'm going to get every ounce of goodness out of it. So mm. thank you so much. Your passion is just really beautiful with it. And you can tell it's well, dear, dear to you. It's, you know, 
when I'm talking about this, the, the phrase I often give is, uh, I feel like Peter when I say, what I have, I give to you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is in gratitude and in joy for how much fruit that God has given me in my own spiritual life as it relates to, you know, drawing nearer to Christ and his passion that I just cannot help but to want that for other people. So, amen. Well, thank you so much for walking shoulder to shoulder with us today. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. God God bless. bless.